Hi, this is Justin Hibbert. You're listening to Why Catholic, my podcast about the what and why of Catholicism. While typically I talk about specific topics related to Catholicism, I want to be sure to sprinkle in episodes once a month with Catholics who are living out their faith and theology. G.K. Chesterton said, let your faith be less of a theory and more of a love affair. And so today I'm excited to share this interview with Corey Dennis. Corey was actually a student of mine when I taught at Annapolis Area Christian School, which is also my alma mater. Corey was a wonderful student and a sincere gentleman. And after graduation, I kept in touch with Corey over social media, but we hadn't probably talked in at least 10 years. As Corey will share with you in this interview, he grew up in a Protestant home, went on to the Naval Academy, and then went into politics, serving in Larry Hogan's campaign for governor of Maryland, and is now the press secretary for the Attorney General of Louisiana. Corey and I also share something else in common. We both entered the Catholic Church on the same day, the Easter Vigil in 2022. Here's my interview with Mr. Corey Dennis. Well, Corey, thank you so much for joining me on Why Catholic. It's so great to reconnect with you. Wild, you know, like it, it's hard to believe. It almost seems like an, a lifetime ago that I was a teacher and you were you were one of my students. So um, this is this is a real pleasure. So thanks for joining me. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. You, you went to Annapolis Area Christian School. That was the same school I attended. I graduated in 99. You graduated in 2010. Tell me a little bit about that experience and what you did after high school. And, and then you went off Naval Academy. Tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, so as you know, um, you know, I was raised Protestant, uh, just like you were. Went to church every Sunday. It was very important for my family, for my mom and dad, that I go to a school that had a Christian worldview. And fortunately, uh, they, for- they sacrificed a lot for me to go to an absolute Christian um, it's a very great school right there in Interall County, Maryland. As you know, it's grown exponentially since I've been there over the last several years. And it's a, it's a great school. And, um, you know, I'm very blessed to, to have gone there. And after, you know, during my senior year there, I was applying to the Naval Academy. I got waitlisted for their prep school, which is in Newport, Rhode Island. And about two weeks before the prep school started, and I guess it would have been July of July, late July of 2010, I got the phone call saying that a spot opened up. So I kind of picked up everything and got processed into the military, went to the prep school for that year in Rhode Island, and then did uh, the academy in Annapolis for, for four years after that. So that's kind of how the how, how schooling went. And then near the end of my time at the academy, unfortunately, I was medically disqualified from the military. So I graduated from the academy, um, unfortunately, did commission. And then, um, you know, did some things around Maryland and, and moved down here to Baton Rouge about two years ago um, to, you know, just see what the South was like. <laughs> it's a big move from Maryland to uh, to Baton Rouge, but still great seafood, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't move to a landlocked state. I got to have my seafood. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your Protestant upbringing. What sect of Protestantism was it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think early on, you know three, four years old, we were going to a a Presbyterian church or a Methodist, something of that sort. And then we eventually kind of elementary middle school went to what I would consider, I think they considered an undenominational church, Um, went there for a number of years, pretty much up until high school. And then we went to a Southern Baptist church, um, right actually across the street from the high school. And we went there from, um, 
freshman year, freshman, sophomore year, all the way through high school. So I kind of had this undenominational Southern Baptist, a lot of the same, I would say, kind of belief systems and structures, just, you know, they call themselves undenominational, the other ones called them Southern Baptist. And so that's kind of how I, I grew up. And then, um, you know, I'd always been interested in Catholicism, interested in the Catholic faith, just because, you know, in Maryland, Napster Christian School, the two biggest rivals were St. Mary's and Archbishop of Spalding. So I knew people that went to the Catholic schools, um, but I didn't really know a whole lot about it. And when I you know, eventually moved down to Baton Rouge, um, just before I moved, my, my dad had passed away um, from cancer. I got this new opportunity to come down to Louisiana. I, I, so I took it. And then, you know, from, I would say, high school to 2021, you know, I really didn't, you know, I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. You know, I wasn't an atheist or anything like that, but I wasn't really practicing my faith at all. I was kind of doing my own thing. And I kind of knew, kind of had that still small voice in the back of my head saying, you know, life would be better if you would just follow me. And I was like, yeah, but let me try to do my own thing first. And then I'll see, you know, I'll see what happens. So last year, um, it was my 29th birthday. And I really just started thinking, you know, work was going well, you know, all things considered, everything was going very well professionally, um, personally. And, you know, I just kind of started thinking, listen, you're going to be 30 next year, which isn't that old, but, you know, you got to start thinking about, you know, what kind of man do you want to be? What kind of husband do you want to be? What kind of brother or son? Um, Potentially, what kind of father do you want to be? And, you know, it's time to start really getting serious about your faith and, and start you know, making that a priority. So being down in Louisiana, I was exposed to Catholicism a lot more. I mean, in Louisiana, we don't have counties, we have parishes. That's how, that's, you know, yeah. that's how Catholic Louisiana can be. And I had a lot more exposure to the Catholic faith and, you know, the military side of me had always been interested in Catholicism because it's very procedural. You know, mm-hmm. you go in, you bow, you take a knee, you sit, steal, uh, sit, kneel, stand, you know, it, it, I like that kind of method, uh, methodically going through the service. And so I had, um, you know, before my birthday, I was dating a girl at the time. I was Catholic. We had, she had taken me to mass once. And so when I was looking at how to join the Catholic church, I was thinking, well, maybe I can, you know, I started reading the catechism a little bit, which uh, it's a great thing to do. But if you're not if you know nothing about Catholicism, it's kind of hard to follow. It doesn't read like a book. It's more of like a dictionary, if you will, <laughs> or, a, or an encyclopedia. So I started looking up how to join the church. And I said, well, it's, you know, it's 2021. It's, everything's virtual now. I bet I could do RCIA online and no one will have to know that I'm Catholic. I don't have to be responsible to anyone or, or held responsible. And I think the first thing I Googled, it said, you can't do this online. You have to go through a parish. So the only, so I said, fine. So I signed up at, at the parish that I had visited a couple months prior. We have a great RCIA director um, at St. Aloysius where, I, where I'm a parishioner. And he got right back to me and said, hey, we got a meeting tomorrow and I got some books for you if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to, to hop on the Zoom call. I, I said, sure. And then um, that well, was- let me, let, me, let, me, let me stop you right there. So, so when you joined RCIA, were you kind of convinced that you were going to become Catholic or was this more like a, Hey, I'm, I want to explore a little bit more. I would say I was probably about 50 to 60% there. Um, okay. But I still wanted to know more. And that kind mm-hmm. of initial meetings were 
they call, called it the inquiring phase. Mm-hmm. So from week to week, people would kind of bounce in, bounce out. And, you know, we basically went through the Nicene Creed is, you know, paragraph by paragraph, sentence by sentence, and kind of explained all that. And so I'd say I was probably about 50 to 6% sure I was going to do it. But, you know, I still had questions. I still had reservations and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of reconciling, you know, what I was taught to believe and what the Bible says and what the Catholic Church says. And so that's, you know, that's kind of why I, I got it. You know, I got into RCIA. Okay. So then um, leading up to this, tell me a little bit about like where you were faith-wise. So you, you know, you were active in the church up through high school, you graduated, you go to the Naval Academy and then you kind of like didn't really attend church at all, wasn't really active in your faith. Um, and so at this point in time, are you, are you kind of like, um, you're still at that place. Like I'm, I'm still, I'm not an atheist, but I'm just kind of passively thinking about what's next. Yeah. I mean, by the time I was starting to look at RCIA, I was starting to take things a little bit seriously, more serious, you know, a couple probably months before that I'd read you know, purpose driven life and, you know, kind of went through that 40 day journey and started praying more and still wasn't attending church. Um, but was trying to be a little more conscientious about my faith and what I was looking for, what I was searching for. But I mean, I, honestly, I would say from maybe a year out of high school to you know, 2021, you know, Christmas and Easter were pretty much the times I went. And that's if I had to, you know, if I was visiting the family or, or things of that nature, I would go. Um, but it, again, wasn't a regular attendee, wasn't really, super serious about my faith, but still kind of had that yearning for something more. And, you know, that's how I, you know, that's how I came to the church, came back to the church. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You you mentioned that your, um, your RCIA directors were great. What made you really enjoy working with them? So, you know, Mark, who's who's kind of the lead guy at St. Aloysius, he was great because, he was a Protestant at one point too. I can't remember if he was a pastor or a deacon as well, but um, he's a very learned man when it comes to theology and just, you know, the Christian faith as a whole. And he was really great through the RCIA process of kind of answering or getting to the questions before, you know, we really even had to ask them. He might say, well, you know, you know, in the Protestant faith, you, you might've heard this and this is why we believe X, Y, and Z. And, you know, so he, for me, at least, he knew kind of where I was coming from, at least on a little bit of background. So he was great and just very engaging and, um, you know, like I said, just a, a student of the Bible and of the faith. So, he, you know, he was really able to just explain things and really dumb it down in a way that, you know, I could really understand it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important um, for at least in my life, like having Protestants who had converted to Catholicism who can explain Catholicism using that Protestant language. And I was telling, you know, I was presenting uh, the other night at my church and I was saying how like for, for us, and, and tell me if this was your experience for us, like we have so many things, there's so much baggage that we're coming into the Catholic church with, with all the things we were told that Catholics believe that were flat out lies or half truths, or it was like Catholics believe this and this is why it's wrong kind of thing. So there's so much things, so many things that we have to kind of unlearn um, and relearn that it it's it takes almost like, it's almost like speaking a different language. Like we need someone that is um, talking to us who's been there 
using Protestant terms and, you know, Catholic definitions and so forth. Is that, was that your experience? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, you, you had a podcast episode not too long ago that kind of talked about that, where, you know, for me, it was, you know, Catholics pray to Mary, so therefore they worship Mary. And <laughs> even moving down to Louisiana, I, I you know, thought about that more. I was like, well, no, you know, I ask my friend to pray for me all the time. Why yeah. would it, why wouldn't I ask someone in heaven to pray for me too? <laughs> you know, right. um, but yeah, it was definitely, you know, those types of things. And actually, you know, I remember several months ago, you had a blog about your joint journey to the church and it was kind of around the time, or I found it around the time that I was looking at going through RCIA and joining the church. And it was helpful to see, I was like, well, heck, Mr. Hibbert uh, <laughs> is, is a smart guy. And you know, he's thinking about this, maybe, I, I could start thinking about this and just kind of as a sidebar, I've always appreciated, um, you know, on, on your Facebook page, whether it be a super controversial issue or not, you are really good at methodically kind of going line by line through your interpretation of it. Um, whether I agree with it or not, you always have a very uh, educated and um, reasonable response to things. So when I saw you joining the church, I was like, I need to read that blog because <laughs> He's probably, he's probably going to answer some of the questions that I have. And so that was, that was very helpful through my journey. And, and then again, you know, guys like Mark and um, other folks who are say, you know, kind of helping piecemeal it all together for me. It's been great. Was there one particular source um, that you found to be the most helpful, uh, like a podcast, a video? Uh, was it Mark? You know, what, what, what would, have, uh, would you say it was? You know, Mark, Mark was great. Um, there's also uh a book that we have called Our Faith, which is the catechism, but more in like a chapter format. So it kind of talks about Eucharist, communion, the faith, the creed. Um, and it, you know, it's, it has the catechism in it, but it's not, you know, encyclopedia. It's not, it doesn't look like a encyclopedia. You kind of read, read by chapter by chapter. And that was very helpful to us. And then um, there's another book that went line by line, essentially through the mass and why we do everything in the mass. It's a great book. and I, I need to reread it, but it just talks about everything from the symbolism of opening the door of the church. Sometimes there's a greeter there opening it for you. And sometimes you open it yourself and that's indicative of your faith journey too. You know, sometimes it's someone helping you through your faith. Sometimes it's you searching it out yourself. Um, so that, that was very helpful. And, um, one recently is uh, another podcast, if, if I may, um, uh, yeah. Ask Father Josh podcast. That, that's been helpful as well. Just, you know, answering some of the questions that, you know, why do we do this a certain way? Or how do I reconcile this with my faith? And um, Father Josh is great. He's, he's actually in Baton Rouge as well. So I've gotten to visit with him a few times. And uh, so that, that's another resource that's been helpful. What were some of the biggest hurdles for you? You know, I mean, maybe in a sense, you have a little bit of a separation between your time actively involved in Protestant churches and and Protestant groups, but like, you're still at the core. That's what you were taught, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so what were some of the biggest hurdles for you in accepting Catholic Catholic doctrine and coming into the Catholic faith? So I think two things, and it's probably not surprising for someone coming from a Protestant background, but I call it the Mary stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, the, the Eucharist. And, you know, it, it took, I mean, I prayed about this a lot. And I said, you know, God, you know, 
I'm a dummy. So <laughs> this is where you want me to go. I need you to blow the door off the hinges or lock it down like Fort Knox. Cause if it's cracked and you leave me an option, I'm probably going to choose the wrong one. So, I, you know, I prayed about this a lot and another great book, uh, another great Louisiana, Dr. Brent Petrie, who I know you've, uh, you've linked in, in prior podcasts. He has, uh, I believe it's called Jesus and the Jewish roots of Mary or, or, or something like that. And that really, that's a book that they gave us during RCIA, which really helped explain how the New Testament, you know, is the ultimate fulfillment of the Old Testament and how, you know, after, you know, after the resurrection, that's the new fulfillment of even stuff prophesied in the New Testament. So kind of talking through, working through that and reading that and really getting a history lesson, really, of what all this means was really helpful. And, and you know, with Mary and, and with the Eucharist, even, you know, I was always raised the communion's a symbol, you know, and I've listened to Brent Petrie. I've listened to um, Bishop Barron on, on this topic. And, you know, they, they make a very compelling case as why it's not just a symbol. And it goes back to, you know, learning the, knowing the definitions of the Hebrew words used and, and things of that nature. But what really came down to me was, you know, Corey, you know, why is this a stopgap? Like, why is this bothering? I mean, you think about it. You believe that a virgin had a child. You believe that this guy walked on water, that he, you know, fed thousands of people with just a couple pieces of bread and a few fish. You believe that he died and rose again and went up to heaven, but you refuse to believe that he can be in the body and the blood of the host at, at, at the, in the tabernacle. And when I thought about those things, I was like, well, maybe my, you know, you just have to go out in faith. And I think that's, you know, in a Bible study I was in, you kind of talked about the Eucharist more in depth. And, you know, I always, I always kind of, I still kind of struggle with, man, if I really believe that the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ is right here in front of me, why am I not on the floor crawling to it? You know, I should be more reverent than I already am. Um, I should be, you know, almost in fear to be in the presence, but I also think that's the beauty of the Eucharist and that, you know, if, if the Eucharist was this bright, shiny ball that, you know, was awe inspiring and, you know, everyone, you know, had to wear sunglasses to look at it and all this kind of stuff. It'd be easy to believe. And I think, you know, the beauty of the Eucharist is it does take some faith to believe that we're in the presence of Jesus Christ when we're at the tabernacle or receiving the body and blood and soul and divinity of our, our Lord and savior. And I think for me, it was a challenge. It's like, well, do you want, do you want to believe this or not? And now I think the Eucharist is the most beautiful thing in the world. And, and, you know, that's what I look forward to the most in the mass is that I get to have an opportunity to commune with God and the saints in his church with his people. Hmm. I love that so much. That is such a, a, a brilliant way of putting it. And, you know, I think too, I was thinking about this this morning, how, how God often uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Right. So I was Absolutely. thinking about, I was thinking about the, um, Our Lady of Guadalupe. I don't know if you're familiar with that story, um, but you know the Spanish came to to Mexico and they try to convert this these Aztecs who are pagans who practice, um, you know, they sacrifice thousands and thousands of humans, and they were just in, they just were unable to do it. And it was Mary putting her the Virgin Mary putting her image on some cactus fibers of a guy named Juan Diego, who was like just a normal Catholic convert. 
and it converted the whole country. And we're still talking about those cactus fibers today. That shirt still mm. exists, like a sweaty tunic, you know, right. <laughs> and, and may, like those things don't last 10 years and it's lasted 500 years. And this is like, this is what God does. He puts the extraordinary into the ordinary. And so, yeah, the whole idea of bread and wine becoming the body and blood of Jesus. Why wouldn't it? Right. Like we, and I love that too. Like we, we believe, you know, Christianity is a wild religion. It's a wild religion. We believe some wild things um, like you said. And so, you know, why wouldn't we believe these other things as well? Yeah. I love that. That's so great. Was church history at all? Was that part of, did, did you look into like what the early church fathers had to say about some of these things or was that nece- not necessarily part of your um, belief process? You know, that wasn't a huge part of it. And, and you know, we didn't go into a, into a lot of depth with it, but, you know, just kind of some, to be honest, some really basic Google searches kind of just, you know, was enlightened to say like, well, I mean, a lot of stuff that's now dogma in the Catholic church, you know, let's say it was codified for lack of a better term in the last 50, 60, 70 years, it might've become dogma then, but it was the belief of the Catholic church for much longer than that. Like when I started, you know, looking more into the Eucharist, it's like, yeah, you know, you'll know better than me when it, it became official dogma, but it was, that was always the belief of the Catholic church, that it was the body and blood, soul and divinity. And, you know, little things like that of just how, when you look at, you know, early Christian writings, how, it all kind of, I mean, it all goes back to the apostles, you know, to Peter, and it's it's a very easy, fairly easy timeline to follow all the way back to, you know, when, when Christ ascended back up into heaven. And, you know, even things like, um, I read somewhere that, you know, you know, we believe that Mary was taken up, she never died here on earth, and how there's been right, there were some writings by you know, some great philosopher or something that basically said, oh, don't you know? Mary was assumed up in the head. Like it was more, it was almost like a, it wasn't worth writing because that, that was fact. Like every, everyone knew, you know, the sky's blue. That's what, you know, so, um, you know, that's something more, you know, I'd actually really like to get more into, you know, some of that history and just, I think that's some of the apologetics of it is, is really helpful and, and, you know, evangelizing other people, but also, you know, strengthening your own faith, but also just having a better understanding of, of why you believe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I saw you posted uh, after you were confirmed in the Catholic Church. I think your mom was there as well. Yep, my mom, uh, my stepdad came down. It was great. Okay, and and what was their reaction? Like, tell me about how you told them you were becoming Catholic. You know, it's it's funny because I almost didn't really say much about it. Um, a, a guy, a friend of mine, that I was going through RCA with was like, "Hey, are you gonna you know, tell your mom?" I was like, "She coming down?" I was like, "Oh, you know, I haven't really talked to her about it." you know, and, and, um, you know, but long story short, she was very supportive of it. And I, I think frankly, she was probably just happy that I was taking my faith seriously again. <laughs> um, but you know, they, they were very supportive. Um, they, they actually moved, uh, they had a trip plan. They moved that trip around just to come down for the Easter vigil and then spend some time with me and, and, and my friends at the church. And, uh, but overall it's been a very, you know, I've, I haven't had any negative, um, comments about it. Matter of fact, I've, I've had people that have seen it or heard I was going through RCIA and say, Hey, you know, I was thinking about joining the church myself. And, you know, now some, some friends back home are going through RCIA and I have another good friend that um, is about to get confirmed here in Baton Rouge uh, really soon. Um, so it's been a great reception for me personally, but uh, you know, I know it's not, that's probably not the case for, for everyone, but it's, it's been a blessing. And I, I think it, 
you know, I moved to Louisiana for work, but I think the biggest blessing I ever gotten was joining the church and coming back home. And I always said, you know, whether work or careers, whatever work out in the future or not, if all I got from Louisiana was, was joining the church and, and, and restoring my faith and you know, that's worth it. Cause that's eternal. You know, that's, you know, money jobs, they come and go just like everything else. But you know, this is something that will last forever. That's, that's, that's beautifully put. We grew up in some of the same Protestant circles. Were there any pushbacks from friends? Did anyone, was it generally goodwill or was there anyone um, in particular that reached out and was like, Hey, what are you doing? Like anything like that? Any negative? No, I mean, I really didn't. And I, I do think it's a little bit different for me because, you know, my faith background and stuff was really based back home in Maryland and, mm-hmm. you know, coming down to Louisiana, a lot more Catholics down here. So down here, everyone's like, that's great. Welcome home kind of thing. And, you know, the, the folks back home um, may have not really realized what I was doing yet or don't quite understand. So maybe, you know, I haven't been home yet. Uh, so maybe <laughs> when I come back for Christmas, I'll kind of get some uh, pull pull aside and say, hey, man, what are you doing? But, you know, for me, I've been very blessed, very fortunate that, you know, I've I've honestly haven't had a negative comment yet. Well, that's awesome. Hopefully it's not that. And hopefully it's out of curiosity, right? Like I, right. I'm, I'm always like, sure. Ask me about my faith. Like, I would love to talk to you about it. You know, like, um, you know, I don't want to get into debates, but I'm happy to, to you ask questions and I'll give you answers and we can talk through it like adults. That's totally fine. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. No, I've gotten a lot of, you know, why you, you become Catholic in a, which I, which I think is a great title for your podcast, why Catholic. And I've, I've gotten that. And I think just as I explained, I just wanted to get more serious about my faith and the Catholic church is what I believe and they teach is that that's how I wanted to, to live my life. And, you know, I think the teachings are true, obviously. And I think once you kind of explain that, I think the reception I've gotten has been, wow, that's really cool. Or, wow, I need to, uh, I'm going to look into that. And some people have, you know, we're cradle Catholics and like, you know, maybe I need to, you join the church and something I've been doing my whole life. Maybe I need to you know, rethink or, you know, re-engage in the church. So that's, that's been a blessing that I, mean, I hope that I hope we all, you know, people can see Christ through us and through our actions. And, and so yeah. we'll, we'll see Amen what happens. That. Amen to that for sure. Yeah. I was saying, I was saying um, when I gave my presentation that I, I said, you know, like uh, sometimes like you grow up with something your whole life and you just don't appreciate it because it's just there. Right. Like, you know, I, I moved to Utah and I would try, I would travel everywhere and I take pictures. And a friend of mine said to me one day at work, he was like, Hey man, like I've lived here my whole life and you've probably traveled more in like the last year than I have. And he's like, and I, I see your pictures and I realize like what a beautiful state I live in. And so it's like, it's one of those things. Like sometimes you just, you seen it through other people's eyes, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I think there's, there's a reason why God brings converts into the faith because they, they bring a different perspective and um, that you don't get maybe because you grow up with it and it seems just normal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, it's, you know, obviously I would encourage everyone to just live a faithful life from the beginning. That's always the <laughs> best option, but also, you know, I was raised in the faith. I was raised a Christian, but you know, that joining the Catholic church was solely my decision, you know? <laughs> um, and I think you know, that gave me a little bit more ownership of it. Um, that's not to say that, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to have kids, like my, I'm going to raise my kids Catholic, uh, but, you know, they'll have their own 
faith journey that they have to reconcile with. But I do think for me, it was, you know, the conscious decision to join the church and to change my life and to, you know, move, move forward with that, I think made it more real for me. And I think it's something I appreciate a little bit more because it wasn't just going along to get along or just going with, through the motions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What, what advice would you give your younger self? Start earlier. You know, never leave. <laughs> um, you know, what? you know, life is life is it's not necessarily easier with faith, but it's easier to get through with faith. Um, and when you have a relationship, and look, my life's not perfect and I mess up just as much as anybody else. But you know, I, I think I would tell myself, you know, pray more, pray more and actually try to listen more and you know, not just ask for things or not just say your grace, but in be intentional about living a life for Christ, because in just the last year or so, I'll say, you know, being more intentional about it, you know, you see the fruit of that. And, you know, I think, you know, things have happened over the last year that, you know, you have breakups, you have car accidents, you have different things that I know I wouldn't have handled as well as I did two, three, four years ago. And I attribute that to my faith and I attribute that to, being able to go to the daily mass and kind of recenter or, you know, talking with, uh, I have a great group of friends that, you know, we'll sit out and barbecue and things, but we all, we always end up talking about our faith in some way, shape or form. And I think it's important to have those types of relationships. So I would just say, pray more, listen, really listen more and uh, just show up on Sunday and beautiful things can happen. Yeah. So much of it is just showing up, right? Like there was an admiral that gave a speech um, at a graduation. You're probably familiar with this, but he was talking about, he was talking about like making your bed is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he's like, because sometimes it's just showing up sometimes is like, just, just doing it. Um, How has the structure, the liturgy, the, um, the, all of the stuff in Catholicism, how has that supported your faith in, in Jesus? I mean, that's a great question for, for me. It's again, the, maybe it's the military side of me, but I think it helps tremendously. You know, I, I love going to the fountain every, every time and blessing myself. I like kneeling for the tabernacle before I, before I get in my pew and just that kind of the order of the mass, you know, the ringing of the bells, the singing, the kneeling, it reminds you that you're in a holy place, that this time is a holy time. And, uh, you know, recently I had a priest at a mass, basically we were talking about the second coming and I forget what the reading was. We we're talking about the second coming and it, you know, we talk about, you know, you never know when your time will come, you know, like you could die tomorrow, that kind of thing. He's like, but you know, that's when we meet Jesus. But he said, you know, we have an opportunity to meet Jesus every day. You know, whether that's adoration, whether that's, you know, you know, going to daily mass or whether it's just praying in the morning. You know, we have an opportunity to to be with Jesus, to sit with Jesus every day. He comes to us and it's just up to us to turn around and, and greet him. Um, but, you know, the, the liturgy of the mass, I think for me, is, is one of the most beautiful things. And just the solemnity of it, you know, the way the priest is processing down the, the aisles or just the, you know, just the whole thing about it for me is just makes it very beautiful. Catholic churches are beautiful cathedrals, beautiful 
chapels usually. And, you know, just the whole thing about it, the structure of it, just, I know what's coming next. You know, it's, it's not always, you know, in some non-denominational churches, they have a great band and a great praise and worship team. And I love that. I, I still visit those types of churches kind of time. I love that. But for me, the, that hour or whatever it is of sitting, kneeling, listening to the readings, um, listening to the prayers really helps me on hone in why, why I'm here and why I'm there. Um, so for me, it's probably one of the best parts. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. I, I just have, um, I think one more question for you and that is who is your confirmation saint? My confirmation saint. So that was a cool thing. Cause I didn't really know that was a thing when I was going through RCIA. Um, so I, I picked St. Thomas more and okay. looking up saints. And I didn't know a whole lot about saints and, um, I work in politics and St. Thomas More is the patron saint for politicians. And I was really drawn to him because he was in parliament. He was Lord Chancellor for, for Henry VIII. And basically he got arrested and eventually executed because he refused to acknowledge uh, King Henry as king of the church and recognize um, he had divorced his wife and uh, St. Thomas More didn't recognize the annulment or support the annulment. And so basically that's why he got arrested and then got executed. And right before he got executed, he said, I'm the King's good servant, but God's first. And I I think in my world of politics, it's very easy to get tied into whoever your principal is, whoever your candidate is, wherever your boss is, regardless of what side of the aisle or middle aisle you're in, you can get really caught up on this person is my person and they're they're wrong they're right and everyone else against them is wrong and i'm going to follow them blindly into wherever and i think you know saint thomas more for me it's just a remind and him saying that i'm the king's good servant but god's first just a reminder that you know i think we need good i think we need catholics in politics i think we need good people in every industry i think you need catholics in every industry but at the same time we have to keep the main thing the main thing right and that's putting god first so um you know fortunately i've worked with some great politicians great people and they haven't ever asked me to do anything or say anything that I don't agree with or can't reconcile morally, but uh, it's just kind of a good reminder to you know keep God first. It was so good to catch up with Corey and just see the way God has blessed him. As he was talking about the Eucharist, I, I started getting chills. I want to offer my sincere thanks to Corey for joining me on Why Catholic, and I want to thank you as well for joining me for this episode and hearing Corey's moving testimony. Just a reminder, please subscribe to the Why Catholic podcast on your platform of choice. And you can also join the Why Catholic community. Just go to whycatholic.substack.com slash subscribe. There's a free option. And if you're feeling generous, there's also a place to give. Your donation keeps this podcast going and also goes to support various Catholic ministries. Thanks again for joining me. My name is Justin Hibbard, and this is Why Catholic. Why Catholic.